Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots to look at about this Friday market trade. We saw some higher numbers in the corn. It was lower on the beans. The interesting part has been this wheat market. And then we're going to take a jump to the south. If you uh, caught yesterday's Fontenelle Final Bell, we were talking about South America and their production. We're going to get a more in-depth look who somebody soon will have boots on the ground there. We'll find out more about that as well. Heather Ramsey is joining us today from the ARC Group. And I think, Heather... Let's start with this wheat market because it made for an interesting type of trade for a Friday. Yeah, what a wild day. And really not even just Friday, but wheat in general in the last three weeks, I would say. Um, Just kind of surprising. We're seeing lots of volume, lots of volatility. Friday up 10 and putting in uh, nearby highs. When, When I say nearby, it's really more like in the last year <laughs> plus maybe on some of these markets for wheat. Uh, I know right now is a lot of planning going on for that um, hard red winter wheat crop. And we're looking at the Kansas City Board of Trade here at July 20. Uh, that's our new crop board showing uh, a high today, high trading tick, excuse me, for Friday of 496 and a half. Um, that's a pretty amazing number when you look at where we've been this last year. Uh, you know, the 450s was not out of the question for a good majority of the year. So this has been a great place for uh, wheat producers to look at some protection. You know, can it go higher? Um, I mean, yes, there's always a chance that everything can go higher, right? Uh, but what we're seeing is some carryover trading and some carryover uh, market movement based on some purchases from China. And what's funny about these purchases is that we see them as unknown, and then we turn around and find out there's China. And so we're not, we don't have quite the transparency level that maybe we've had in the past, um, and that is because of this new trade deal. They don't have to tell us that it's China when they buy things right now. And so we're seeing that kind of carry through into the wheat. But, uh, funds have been buying wheat as well, which is a really big positive. Anytime the funds can move something positively for the American farmer, I always feel like that's a huge win, and we should take advantage of it. You know, <laughs> really, the the wheat market was talked about earlier in this week ahead of Christmas because of the dryness that's been seen, and some saying that there mm-hmm. hasn't been a lot of germination in this winter wheat. Do you see that as a concern, or, do, or is it too early to jump on that bandwagon? You know, I tend to feel like maybe that's slightly early. Um, I also have kind of mixed feelings around it because as much as it's been dry, we haven't received the precipitation um, in the volume that we're used to. I really feel like we had really good soil um, moisture going into it. And I don't know that we're kind of accounting for that either. And so there, obviously we, we need to see the precipitation to get things activated and to grow and to get that good germination, that good stand. But um There's something to be said for we have really good soil moisture, so can we be delayed in our precip and still be fine? I, you know, that's definitely more of an agronomist question, but I think that that is playing into the market some for sure. And then you you pair it with some big sales that happen with wheat. Um, There's a little bit of uh, uncertainty around some of our other global wheat markets too and some quality issues in other places. And I will say this, and this isn't just wheat specific, it's really any crop. When you look at American farmers and what they're producing, we have some of the highest quality products out of anywhere in the globe. 
So there's something to be said, you know, terrible wheat in the U.S. is fantastic wheat, you know, in half the other destinations of the globe. So when there is a global um, quality issue, it tends to help out our, our prices as well, just because we know, well, hey, demand can flip over here and we know we have good quality products. And so that's also, I think, helps a little bit in this in this wheat market as well. Should it be a surprise that our export markets were, were quiet? I mean, we had a holiday rate smack dab in the middle, but we still got all these trade issues going on as well. Yeah, I'm not surprised by it at all. You know, where we're year in, there's a lot more of cleaning up of the books versus, you know, hurrying up and, and purchasing um, things uh, globally right now. So I, I'm not surprised by it. I'm not surprised uh, that if we would continue to see see slow exports, I would not be surprised by that either because, like you said, we still, as much as we have a phase one deal, we haven't seen the final details. It hasn't actually um, been signed yet, so that's still a big unknown. I feel more confident in this one, but um, we'll probably see things continue to be slow. And there, and like I mentioned, in this deal, uh, China has a little bit more of not secrecy per se, but just they don't have to declare it China when they buy it at this point. There is some anonymity allowed with this trade deal. So we may not know who's actually purchasing uh, the grain, whether it's wheat or corn or beans, because China has bought all three of them now, um, until it actually heads for export and goes through inspections. Then we will kind of know exactly where it's going, but we don't, they don't have to tell us that until that point in time. And so all these paper trades that happen, uh, we may never see China associated with, you know, a majority of them. But the big assumption there that it is, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think you talk to some traders and stuff, and I've never been on the floor, so um, I don't have that, you know, one-on-one experience, but a lot of traders um, feel like they can tell just based on, like, volume of a transaction where it's going whether it's declared or not, you know, like, oh, well, that was definitely, you know, so-and-so buying something on the floor today. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have that experience. I can't tell you that. (laughs) But, like, sorry, I don't know. I'll take your word for it. But I think there's a little bit of that that has gone away, too, in the last couple years. Um, We've seen China come in and do a lot smaller increments, more, more actively doing these smaller increments. So it's really hard to tell when we're getting, you know, that big purchase that we're used to. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to look more at South America. Weather's been a focus. And, huh, surprise, the markets have suddenly decided they need to look what's happening with this beans. We'll find out more details on that with Heather Ramsey. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Heather Ramsey continues to join us as we head into segment two. We'll talk about Brazil, and specifically Brazil as we look at South America, but productions of beans. I loved it as we were talking ahead of this. She said, finally, the market is starting to talk about it. I don't know why up until this point it's been so quiet. Have we just kind of been stuck with blinders on, worried about our crop? You know, that is... It tends to be what happens, right? Like the most important thing is the thing right in your backyard, right? So for the American farmer, obviously we want to talk about how bad 2019 was for us, how many production issues we have. There's people that um, still feel like the USDA needs to come in and slash, you know, production drastically for corn and beans. I'm kind of of the mindset, I I believe that the market is a forward-thinking place, right? We're constantly looking at what's the next thing. 
And so, uh, yes, to your point, I was a little bit shocked that we're all of a sudden this headline pops up today, like, oh, a potential record resilient soy crop. And I'm like, well, yeah, duh. I mean, <laughs> um, and that's not, a, that's not a knock to anyone in, in America by any means. We just know we have a limitation on acreage. And so at some point, Brazil is going to continue to put in records all the time because they're constantly bringing acreage into the into new acreage into the mix and their primary crop is soybeans. So we should be seeing. That's something that the market should kind of have figured in. At the same time, you know, that's that headline and that sentiment all of a sudden switching from trading a very localized US market and US exports to oh all of a sudden let's trade that global soybean market. That puts us down um you know a little bit heavy on the front end of the soybean market here uh for Friday's trade. So yeah, to your point, I mean, it, it was kind of a flip, flip of the switch. I think the market is always kind of looking at that. That's, I mean, we had a, we've had a rally on beans here in the last two weeks, three weeks, maybe. Um, could it have gone, you know, further? Could it have been a bigger rally? For sure. But I think you always have to keep in mind that the market's forward thinking, it's forward looking. It probably had some sentiment um, priced in on this South American crop, Brazil specifically, knowing that like yes we can rally but there's a lid to that rally because we have this secondary crop in the bean market we know we're going to have beans in south america let's talk about the brazilian mindset uh because you made a great comment earlier that really this is very much treated as a business versus a family farming operation yeah i'm super excited we talked off air on this a little bit i'm as part of the nebraska lead program we're headed to our international travel study here in January in about uh, 10 days, actually. And we'll be in Costa Rica, Brazil. Brazil, specifically, I'm, I'm so excited for because we're going to get a chance to be on farm with some of these big operations. So, like, perspective is a small farm down there is 50,000 acres. To us, we're like, holy cow. I mean, gosh, that's a lot to manage. You know, like, the first thought is, how would I manage that? Well, the difference being from what I've learned and what I've been exposed to and what I hope to see in the next couple of weeks here is that what you said is correct. It's a family-owned operation, but it's a business through and through. Um, you know, they've got hundreds, if not thousands, of employees, hundreds of pieces of equipment, rigorous maintenance schedules. There, I mean, all kinds of big corporation-style um, processes and procedures. But it's ran by, you know, maybe it's three brothers. Maybe it's um, a, a, a dad and a, a son who are running this operation or the head of it or the face of it. But everything is going through a process and procedure similar to a corporate, you know, a corporate organization. You know, if, if a son wants to come home and farm, well, that's great. But let's have an interview and let's see where you fit. What are your talents? What are your strengths and your weaknesses? And how do you fit into the operation? And it may not be in... Uh, you know, being the vice president of the company, you know, that, that might be kind of an assumption in a lot of different farming operations, especially in the U.S., thinking that, oh, well, when dad's done, I just, I'm in charge. And in, in Brazil, from what I've learned and, and I hope what we'll experience is that that's not necessarily the case. You know, it's very much a business. If you're not qualified to be the next CEO, you know, for, just for argument's sake, you might be the next head of the maintenance department or, you know, you, right. you kind of get what I'm saying there. You know, it, it, it's very different. <laughs> and that's not a knock to the U.S. farmer. That's not a knock to the Brazilian farmer at all. It's just a very different mindset. They've done a lot of work to create uh, high efficiency 
in their farming operations, uh, which means they're positioned differently versus the American farmer when it comes to just something as simple as cost to break even. And what's going to be pretty cool is the firsthand experience that you're going to have with this year's soybean crop in Brazil. Yeah, I'm super excited. We'll be right on the front end of soybean harvest. And, uh, you know, I also come from an elevator background, so I'm really excited to see what the differences are in logistics and handling at harvest time. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, so you can call us or email us. The phone number is 402-484-7474. I'm actually extension 125. Great. Thanks, Heather. Heather Ramsey joining us today with the ARC Group. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That's your Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Pick it up as a podcast as well through ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.